Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the state of California. Good afternoon. This is the state of California. Doug Sovereign is away. Today we are joined by Sonoma State political scientist Dr. David McEwen. Well, after a primary election on Tuesday that saw low voter turnout throughout the state and a few twists and turns, we are now waiting through the aftermath of the state primary election, the first statewide all-male ballot election to take place under trying circumstances for many voters. Also witnessed pretty typical voter turnout for a midterm gubernatorial period. In the last midterm, 2018, voters were particularly motivated with Donald Trump in office. This primary looks similar to 2014, another mid-year or midterm cycle without a president on the ballot, when then-California Governor-Democrat Jerry Brown cruised to re-election without much competition. Professor, given all of that history, do you have a sense of where we're headed in November in terms of turnout? Well, good afternoon, Jeff and Patty, and it's a pleasure to join you. If we look at the midterm elections typically in the past, they have to be spurred by some level of activity, issues, or interests. And for Democrats, this is going to be a, a bit of a challenge. Conventional wisdom would tell us that turnout will be higher in November, merely as a mechanism of, of more national attention, more social pressure. But, you know, as, as voters learn more about politics and, and how the sausage is made, as they learn more about the meatpacking of politics, they tend to turn off, if you will. And in that process of turning off, they also, we've also made it easier for them to vote. We see those low turnout levels here in California and throughout uh, many of the earlier primaries. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in November. Ballot measures will play a huge role in that, in that sense because we're going to see 9 to 10 ballot measures on the ballot that will spur turnout anywhere from 5 to 8% and probably set records in spending. Today's guest is someone who can talk about that context, also what we should pay attention to in terms of the results from Tuesday and where things are headed into November. We're going to bring that guest on right now. We're going to turn to the KCBS Ring Central Newsline and speak with Alex Clemens, San Francisco-based public affairs strategist, a veteran political operative, communications expert who co-founded Lighthouse Public Affairs in San Francisco. Thank you very much for being our guest today. What really struck you about the results of Tuesday's primary? Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, the the Are you still there? My apologies. I've had a technical difficulty, but I think I've solved it. Thanks for having me on. What we saw in uh, with the votes that we've seen thus far, and there are an enormous number statewide that are still to be counted, um, was a more of the same. California is an extraordinarily blue state, and it continued to look that way up and down the ballot from the races that were foregone conclusions and the races where some things might uh, have moved around a bit. We have learned a long time ago that being a Republican in November uh, can be a death knell to your chances in the state of California. And one of the things we learned this year was that being a no-party preference candidate in June might be just as much of a handicap. It's choosing your poison and the timing of that poison. 
Alex, uh, thanks for joining us. And, and given the DA recall results, I wanted to kind of dive down here into San Francisco. What, what happens with, with Mayor Breed around crime, criminal justice reform, especially she looks to appoint a replacement DA? What, what, what does that look like in your view? Well, San Francisco is, in fact, where I know a bit more. You're certainly the California expert. Uh, in San Francisco, as we all know, uh, DA Chase Boudin was recalled by a substantial margin, about a 20-point difference. Um, as San Franciscans were frustrated with his uh, his his prosecution uh, policies, and uh, perhaps read into a narrative that may or may not have been more indicative of larger societal trends. But the bottom line is, uh, he will be leaving the office as soon as the election is certified, and Mayor Breed will be appointing uh, his replacement. We expect that she is going to appoint somebody who is to Boudin's right, which is not a particularly difficult effort, given that he has nailed down being one of the more progressive prosecutors in the United States of America. Um, But this does create a challenge for the mayor and her administration. The mayor appoints more than half of the police commission, so she controls the apparatus of the policing part of the law and order system. And now her candidate, uh, will be able to run for re-election in November, since one of the other measures on the local ballot that would have prohibited that um, failed. So in the next five months, as the mayor and her new district attorney, who she's appointed, move forward towards the DA's attempt to get elected in her or his own right, uh, they will be responsible to the voters for the state of the city streets and people's own perception of their safety. At the state level, are there any particular races that you're watching especially carefully in terms of what they might be for bellwethers for the nation? Not for bellwethers for the nation, no. California is relatively predictable in how things happen. However, there was a very interesting outcome. Uh, It's a little bit obscure, but it's a fun data point. In Senate District 4, uh, which is around Fresno, um, it's it's a Republican district. There's a 4 or 5% registration advantage to the Republicans. Um, However, six Republicans and two Democrats ran in the primary. And interestingly enough, the two Democrats were the top two finishers. And in California's jungle primary, that means in this Republican district, one of very few in the state of California, there will be no Republican representation on the ballot line for voters to vote for in November. This is one of the outcomes when the adults in the room don't pay enough attention. And I would imagine the Fresno Republican Party elders are sheepishly calling each other uh, today to to wonder why what shouldn't have happened wound up happening. Alex, uh, as we talk about those uh, adults in the room there, how can a politician be successful under this environment that you've kind of laid out, and particularly here in San Francisco? I mean, when you're talking to clients, and you're talking to leaders, how is it in this particular time and era that they can be successful, given all the challenges that we saw in the DA's race that are on Mayor Breed's plate, or that are in, say, Senate District 4 or throughout, throughout the state? Obviously, one must be up to date on the issues and have a good sense of the voters and their pulse. We are a representative democracy trying to go lead people who don't agree with you tends to be a failing effort. Once, once you're that person, there tend to be two gates you've got to go through. You do have to have a broad base of support, and that is traditionally demonstrated by raising money from a significant and widespread group of people. You also have to show that support by gaining institutional endorsements from varieties of longstanding players, unions, business community, political clubs. And those two gates tend to winnow out the people who aren't going to wind up being successful. 
And once the field has been narrowed, you really do, especially in San Francisco, where retail politics are very important. You must be someone who can speak well, engage with voters, and come across as a human rather than just a politician. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Our guest, Alex Clemens, San Francisco-based public affairs strategist, a veteran political operative and communications expert. Also, a thank you to Dr. David McEwen. You can hear the State of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It is also available at kcbsradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 